0: Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Obviously, today we're talking a ton of Golden State Warriors. If you're just joining us, uh, Andrew Wiggins won't play tonight against the Knicks. Um, we don't know about tomorrow, but Steve Kerr didn't sound optimistic. We don't know how long he's going to be out. Obviously, the same thing, or kind of the same thing, uh, started to happen last year and went 25 games. We don't know how long it's going to go this year, uh, but what we do know is is they're not going to play with, with Andrew Wiggins tonight and maybe for longer. Let's welcome in Jason Timpf. He's the host of Hoops Tonight on the Volume Sports Network. And Jason, we've talked to you a few times over the years and one of the one of the things you do extremely well is uh, you're very knowledgeable about, you know, five man units and how teams play. Uh, what do you anticipate the Warriors are going to do if if they if they have to play without Wiggins for let's just say an extended period of time and and kind of what do the numbers show uh, about this team when they have Wiggins when they don't have Wiggins and who fills in for him best?
2: This is such a bummer, the timing of all this. I remember when I saw the report yesterday, I literally thought it was somebody pulling up like something from last year and like making a joke about it or something. I'm like, wait, 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 we're doing this again. <laughs> and like what's crazy is he was playing the best basketball that he had played pretty much since he left the team last year. Mm-hmm. Shooting like forty eight percent from three, uh giving like some real second side creation, like beating his matchup in uh, you know, uh like wing catches when he has a a, a good opportunity um, uh, uh, to like kind of rip through to the right and try to create offense. He's averaging 1.3 steals over this 14-game span where the Warriors were 11-3. and And like really the entire Warriors season turned around when they went to a lineup that I had kind of been begging for for a little while, which is Wiggins, Kaminga, Draymond front line. Mm. You know, like the, the debate about whether or not Clay or Brandon Pizemski could start at the two, to me, that wasn't nearly as important as just putting your best three defensive and offensive athletes at the three, four, five. That's literally what turned the Warriors season around. It gave them a better opportunity to compete on the defensive end of the floor, gave them more opportunities to run the floor in transition because like, you know, the offensive shot creation beyond Steph has been an issue most of the year. But if you're going to be in a rock fight type of game where Steph has to take and make difficult shots and carry your offense, you want to have at least the athletes on the floor to compete. And, and now with him out of the lineup, like it, it's really difficult to come up with things that work. I, I think you could probably try to maintain the athletic profile by going with a Trace Jackson Davis. I get nervous about the speed of any other lineup that you could throw out there to where you could run into issues just simply in terms of athleticism if you go in another direction. And even the biggest concern to me about it is if he misses a substantial amount of time, he is very much a rhythm player. He's the kind of guy that'll come back and not look like Andrew for a while. And so, yeah, like, I, I man, he could not have uh, uh, come up with worse timing for something like this, and Steve is going to be in a bind.
0: Well, let me ask you this. He started Moses Moody in his place the other night in Washington, uh, we've been batting this around all day. We kind of feel like he, you know, he, what if he goes in that direction, starting Moses Moody like he did the other night? What do you see there?
2: Moses Moody is the most reasonable facsimile to replace what Andrew Wiggins brings, right? Like he's a good physical point of attack defender, active hands, uh, can kind of get deflection and, and force turnovers. Better shooter, more reliable shooter. Than Andrew Wiggins. It's just it's more just the youth and an experience that that always comes into the equation with him But that's probably your best bet to maintain the exact same uh, level of physicality the tough part is the offensive shot creation piece because I don't know if you like in the last like Seven games or so teams are really starting to uh, Send multiple defenders at Jonathan Kaminga mm. He had that stretch there where he was scoring the ball really really well and over the course of the last seven games or so, you're seeing teams, especially when he puts the ball on the floor, that late help kind of towards his left-hand side where he can be a little sloppy with the basketball. Teams are starting to send multiple defenders to him. And so Wiggins' shot creation was kind of important there. And so that's not necessarily a strength of, of, of a guy like Moses Moody. But again, in a, in a list of flawed options, that's a really good one.
1: Jason, a lot of good stuff from you there. Uh, If you go back to last year's Golden State Warriors, what happened before with Draymond and Poole, uh, the season started. For them to even get to the second round, I told my partner that was a win for me. Now, when you look in totality this season up until this Andrew Wiggins news broke, Jason, how shocked are you? Or if you're shocked at all that the Warriors are sitting at the 10th seed, because I am.
2: I did not see them as a team that was going to be a very good regular season team this year. They kind of struck me as a team kind of similar to the Lakers, whose fate kind of came down to the trade deadline. And honestly, I really do think they would have been more aggressive there had it not been for Jonathan Kaminga's rise. And like, Jonathan Kaminga's rise was meteoric. He had never had consecutive 20-point games in his entire NBA career, and then he did it like seven times in a row. And so like, it's, it's, it's always difficult to kind of have perspective in situations like this, because you have Steph Curry, a guy who is like definitively a top 10 player in NBA history, who's still playing very close to his peak. And there's a certain element of like, you want to give him all the tools that he needs to, to to you know, weaponize his superpowers when you get to the postseason. But in the big picture, Jonathan Kaminga in the potential that he has flashed is worth way more. Than, than, than anything you could have gotten back in the trade market in terms of the long-term potential of the franchise. Like I just mentioned, teams throwing doubles, he's actually managed it pretty well. Mm. He's averaging four assists per game over this stretch. He's not turning the basketball over. It's like a 2.5 assist-to-turnover ratio. He's making some high-level reads. I was watching um, in the Clippers game in particular, they were throwing late help to him, and he was making like good two-hand over-to-top skip passes to the right shooter. He was looking off help defenders. I'm like... I just think, I think Kaminga in a few years is going to be a star. No one can guard him one on one. Like, like legitimately that, that was how he had those seven straight 20 point games. Those teams were leading him out on an island to see what he can do. And we found out pretty quickly like, oh wait, nobody in the league can actually guard him one on one. He's too right. fast. He can get defend he, he can get defenders out of position. He can draw, uh, uh, free throw. He can get to the free throw line a lot. Like he, he has so much potential. And so it's kind of weird in the sense that, it caused the Warriors to kind of lean into this existing group, but the long-term potential now is better just because you have another guy that you can point to that's like, this guy is a hit. We hit on this pick. This can change the fortunes of the franchise in the long run. It's just always going to be a little bit of a, a, of a you know, kind of a funky kind of in-between zone when you've got a guy like Steph and now you've got this number two who's a really, really young player and will have some growing pains along the way, right?
0: Jason Timp joining us on 95.7 the game. He's the host of Hoops Tonight on the Volume Sports Network. You brought up Steph Curry uh, the other night after the Denver game. Uh, Steve Kerr said he looked tired. Uh, Steph was asked about it. He said he feels good. Uh, what do your numbers tell you? And what is your eye? What do your eyes tell you about uh, you know the ste- I, Steph? I guess what the last six games hasn't been shooting it well. But uh, take a broader view and and let us know where you think you're at with him.
2: So the Nuggets game in particular, the Nuggets defense is configured in a way where they have two really good on-ball guys, right? Aaron Gordon and KCP. But most of their other guys are really good health defenders but struggle on the ball. And I saw a lot of talk coming out of that, like, oh, is KCP a step stopper or has Denver figured out how to stop step? And really what it is to me is – The Warriors' current set of offensive talent is not capable of punishing teams that are really good in help because of the fact that they can't actually attack the weaker links in the defense. So, for instance, in that Nuggets game, every Jonathan Kamiga screen on Steph, they were switching and just putting Aaron Gordon on Steph, another good on-ball defender. Any other screen, whether it was involving Jamal Murray's man or Nicole Yoke's man or Mike Porter Jr.'s man, they were hedging or blitzing. And in that situation, that's the only shot Steph is going to get are the high-difficulty ones. And we all know Steph can make the high-difficulty ones, but he just happened to have one of those nights where he couldn't make them, and and it became an issue. But the bottom line is, like, Steph's efficiency in an environment like this, where the lineup is more constructed around athleticism and speed and youth, where he has to kind of take on more of the scoring load – those lineups are inherently going to lead to a dip in efficiency. No different than last year in the postseason. Like, Death was playing some of the best basketball of his career in that season, but because of the way that that offensive lineup is configured, he had his least efficient postseason series since 2019. So some of that to me is just kind of baked into the shape of the roster. If they had a team that had, that was more offensive skill oriented rather than, you know, length and athleticism oriented, he probably goes up in efficiency but your defense isn't as good. So to me, like it's, it's like you're 11 and three in your last 14 games, right? Like your major issues have been against the top of the top teams in the league, which again, that's, that's a problem for another day, right? Like the, the it's baby steps for the wars for, for now, it's getting out of the getting out of that nine and 10 feed. Right. So that you don't have to be in a predicament where you have to win two playing games. Right. So like worry about the big fish later, you're winning games. This formula is working, which is, leaning on your athleticism, leaning on that front court, and Steph just kind of grinding out offense where he can find it. It's like rock fight basketball, if that makes sense.
1: No, it does. Jay, let's talk about Clay Thompson. Um, he's went to the bench. He's had some success, and no Warrior want, Warrior fan wants to see him in another uniform. But we were having this discussion earlier this week. If he were to you know, get to the offseason, he can still shoot, Jay. I watch a lot of league pass, and there's a lot of teams that think they can shoot Clay went on, can still shoot it. Could you see other teams throwing 30 or 25 milli at him?
2: I don't know that you'll get some sort of massive offer uh, just because of the fact that I actually look at Clay as more of a kind of bench type of weapon now, anyway. Like see, Clay's always been a really good positional defender. He's a guy who's really good at reading where the guy he's guarding is going to go and kind of beating him to spots and absorbing contact. He's not like a ball pressure guy. He's just a really smart on ball defender that will make your, make your offensive player take tough over the top shots. And what we're seeing is as uh, he's gotten a little bit older and slower. It's a little bit more difficult for him to stay in front of the best perimeter players in the league. It's a little bit more difficult for him against the best perimeter defenders in the league to get free as he's coming over the top of screen. But that's the whole point of moving to the bench is now you're going against, you know, the, the, the lower echelon, you know, perimeter talent in the league where he can still be super, super successful. And I, I, I just I'll, I'll, between, like. Be honest with you guys i would be upset if i even saw clay in a different jersey it just wouldn't even it wouldn't even look right for me so mm-hmm. i'm kind of hoping that this just works out with them, kind of finding a happy middle ground for him to have a good bench role in his twilight years because it's just that to me is what makes the most sense he also has a deep familiarity with golden State's system which i think is something that kind of helps golden state get more out of him than maybe someone else would in the late phase of his career so I'm not going to completely write it off, but I would be shocked if he got some sort of massive offer, and I'm hoping that the Warriors can work something out with him.
0: You're listening to Jason Timph. He's the host of Hoops Tonight on the Volume Sports Network. Uh, let's jump back to Kaminga for a second. I'm, he's eligible for an extension uh, at the end of this season. Well, what do you pay him?
2: I, I mean, his agent's going to ask for the max, and it, like, here's the thing. like, He deserves it. It just does like to me, Jonathan Kaminga is a tier one athlete in the NBA who has demonstrated a lot more offensive skill than you would expect for a young forward at this stage. We talked about the passing earlier. His three point shot has struggled a little bit as of late. I think he's about 25% over his last seven games, but he was red hot before that, which means there's potential there. He just needs to find consistency, but he has been a pretty consistently great mid range shooter. And when I combine those specific things, like the ability to handle multiple defenders and two, the ability to get defenders out of position and get to the foul line. Those are two like things that you don't typically see until players get much later into their careers. Like this guy is literally the limit for this kid and you just got to pay him whatever it costs to keep him. And I mean, maybe that's one of those things you approach Clay about is like, Hey, man, we got a bench roll for you here, but like if we're going to pay. John, Jonathan, we, we've we've got to work out a, a a you know more of a deal on on your end and my, my guess Clay Clay is just such a Clay is just such a a, a loyal guy. I just I, I have a feeling that they'll be able to find something that makes sense there. But to me, you pay Jonathan whatever he costs. Like I, he is. If you're talking about prospects under the age of 22, 23 years old, like he's pretty damn high on that list.
1: Jay, we'll get you out of here on this one. I'm random, so I was going to go around the league and get your uh, finals prediction pick, but I'm going to stop at this one in San Antonio. What will you make? What have you made of Wimby Yama's first his rookie season, man? Because I'm watching him and I'm just blown away. But I'm like inside the numbers. What what, what is that telling you about Wimby? Well, he's
2: taking a leap. In the in the later portion of his rookie season, which is highly unusual, usually it's like that second half of the first season in that entire second season, where teams get a really good feel for what a player's weaknesses are. And then they kind of can add that to the, the we just talked about with Camino, like, okay, now teams are always sending late help after he puts the ball on the floor, typically to his left hand side, like, that's the kind of stuff that typically causes players to plateau or to experience a little bit of like a sophomore slump, right? And it's just not happening for him because he's actually figuring it out at an even higher level. He's 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 been a little bit sharper with his shot selection. He's actually starting to figure out how to be uh, like. This, he's already one of the two or three best defensive players in the league. Like it, it doesn't even it doesn't even make sense. You have this combination of the eight foot wingspan, which again just. Just for a simple perspective, imagine a player with a seven foot wingspan, except for any time he swipes at the basketball and gets within six inches of it, it's a deflection. You know, like that's, that's the type of absurd physical tools that we're talking about. And like I, the, the bottom line is too, is he's doing all of this with one of the worst collections of ball handlers I've ever seen oh, wow. in the NBA. And, and I like, I like Devin Bissell. I do, and he's going to be a good player in the long run. But there's been a lot, there's been a lot of like, I'm like, what are they doing? <laughs> so like, there's actually some buzz that the, the Spurs are going to go after Trey Young. And, you know, I'm not necessarily, I'm kind of on the fence about that move. Uh, but I just, all I can think about is what this kid's going to look like with like another year of strength and conditioning and then giving him some real NBA ball handling because he is just going to be an absolute nightmare. Like, we're talking. We're talking just a few years away from being a top-tier superstar. That's a, that's the type of potential I think he has.
0: Yeah, I like him a lot. I think he's got a chance to be one of the greatest versatile defenders ever if he if he keeps it up. I mean, he's, he's pretty amazing. Mm-hmm. Hey, Jason, thank you so much for your time. Really appreciate your expertise on the Golden Thanks. State Warriors, man. This is fun, boys. I appreciate it. I'll see you next time. All right, Jason Timp, host of Hoops Tonight on the Volume Sports Network.